Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Nonning Podcast brought to you in association with, as always, our good friends Workforce Dimensions Limited. Uh, I'm John Phipps and on the line now is Matt Joward who's he's been regaling me with unpleasant tales about last week but we'll move on because you've had a good week haven't you? You had a good day yesterday Matt. Yeah, good to see you John. I'm doing it on a Tuesday now yeah but the uh, the news I was hoping for came through for the family so that is good news. I won't go anymore but uh, praise the Lord, thanks for that and um yeah, standard stuff, just waiting for the coronavirus with my sounds of it, reading the news today. You've got about two months, I think. Then, um, thing. But my wife has been bulk buying toilet tissue, so I came in last night and half the bathroom's filled with um, toilet paper. But she said, oh, you know, that, but maybe that's what she thinks we're going to survive on. As it, she, maybe she's buying bulk buying toilet tissue after last week's incident. Yeah, it could be. That could be the case uh, from that. Yeah, but yeah, we, yeah. If well, unless she's buying it, maybe trying to sell it on because we might be making a fortune of that. But we've got a couple of months apparently, according to the government did this morning. So, um, but it's getting closer because apparently there's people in Canterbury being to Maidstone. So it's it's coming home. The coronavirus is coming closer to Kent. Yeah, I saw a really disturbing comment earlier which said tourism is what's spreading this. Well, uh, as someone who works in the tourism industry, I really, really would like to distance ourselves uh, from that sort of comment. Well, that's to shot the borders then, isn't it? Is that the only way you which is... Well, the only thing to do is do it, isn't it? It's basically, nobody goes in, nobody goes out, but... That's what that uh, crackpot woman on Question Time the other week wanted, but that was for a completely different reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you going back on this, do you think they'll be loosening in the streets? Because if they said to you... You know, you're staying in for two weeks. How many people think, no, I'm not quite bothered? There must be loads. Oh, I mean, in this day and age, there's absolutely no way if you said to people you're not allowed to go out that people would not would obey that. They'd be out all the time, yeah. Yeah, just rampaging through the streets. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be great fun. <laughs> well, got a couple of likes. That should be the end of the football season, so... We should be able to finish the pod off. We don't want to stop mid-season, so everything's <laughs> cancelled. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, apparently we worked out about May it should all be kicking off, so, from here. So. Oh, brilliant. Well, can you imagine Dover Athletic in the playoff final? And, at Wembley. Uh, at Wembley, and, and the coronavirus calls the end of the season. Oh, no. What a nightmare that would be. What would they do? What would they, what they do then? They must... Mm. What Surely... would they do end the season there? And I presume the side, well... You finish second, you get promoted, I suppose. Well, I assume so, because it, it's ironic, actually. I've been reading about the uh, Cricket Women's uh, T20 World Cup, uh, which is currently going on in Australia. And they're basically saying that England, uh, because there was a washout today, England finished second in their group. Um, and apparently the, the weather forecast for the semi-finals on Thursday is, is ropey. So the chances are that England will be knocked out without a ball being bowled on Thursday because the team who's finished higher in the, in the standings in their group would go through. So... Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, that's obviously the precedent. So you know, if I was Dover Athletic, I'd want to finish second, mate. Yeah, yeah. How heartbreaking that be. Well, the, the thousands that Dover would take to Wembley, mate. You know, you'd have to probably, yeah, dear me. But we'll worry about that at the time. But yeah, we've got a couple more months before we get on. But I think this podcast could be coronavirus related. I'll keep you, I'll keep you informed of the uh, growing toilet rolls that are coming in our house. No, no food, but plenty of toilet rolls. Yeah, and, and obviously I would say to all of our listeners, don't worry about your Sky News and your, and your BBC News and, and all your uh, reputable news sources. If you want the latest on the coronavirus, the Kent Nolly podcast is, is apparently the place to keep an eye on. Yeah, so yeah, two months' time, it's all kicking off. Brilliant. And I'm expecting looting in Tesco's. <laughs> yeah, well, why not? Um, and other supermarkets. Of course, other supermarkets are available to be looted. I mean, I mean, no, 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 no. <laughs> 
Um, don't say that. Uh, you've been wanting for the last couple of weeks, Matt, to talk about CDs. Is it 1994? No, no. I, 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 I tell you about David Gray, didn't I, before Christmas, for yeah. a pound from the charity thing. Yeah. Found the greatest hits of The Jam for a pound, the greatest hits of Paul Weller for a pound. So I've been really enjoying that. And I, I then... I got listening because we listen to music on YouTube now. I found the latest Liam Gallagher song, so I actually purchased a CD at full price. Did, did they look did at you, you funny in the shop? CDs, but, sorry? Did they look at you funny in the shop? No, I did it on Amazon. Basically, everything goes to Amazon, mate, these days. Buy everything from Amazon. Not toilet roll, but everything else we buy through Amazon. So, which was quite impressive because I bought the CD because I've got a CD player in my car, so I thought oh, I can listen to it when I'm driving around rather than. The radio or other podcasts that are available, and I thought, yeah, well, the greatest thing you get an email saying that way we've downloaded it to your digital package as well, so I can actually listen to it by phone. Very, very clever. But I was quite impressed that CDs. Yeah, I've probably got you know I've probably got the best of the jam and the best of Paul Weller upstairs in my loft, but for a pound in the charity shop, and I am thinking I'm going to go around charity shops looking for cheap CDs now to find them in my car. I might, I might make this my mission as well. I might every week try and buy you a really rubbish CD for a pound. I'm looking. I'm looking for the Style Council to complete the Paul Weller set. Okay. So if you see the greatest hits of the Style Council, because um, I don't want to, I don't want to spend five ninety nine on a CD for that. Cause it's an old one, but I might be able to pick it up at a, a charity shop somewhere. So if you do, for anybody finds the greatest hits of the Style Council for, in a charity shop for a fifty p or a pound, buy it for us. Okay. I do like a bit because Weller is playing in Margate, you see. Yeah. In May, yes, which I found out, which unfortunately the Monday is we're busy on a Monday because I was offered a ticket, which is a bit heartbreaking, really, because I do like a bit of ball work. Now I'm back into it, playing it in my car as well. So yeah. You was the last time you ever bought CD? Um, I mean, I tend to listen to my music because I I don't have a CD player in my car because I actually had it taken out. Uh, and had my fancy radio put in that you know all about, um, yeah. which reads out my text messages and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, and so I just stream my music through a well-known streaming site uh, in there. I'm trying to think the last CD I probably bought, I haven't even played, I don't think, because I think I've got a uh, a couple that I've bought just because for, for um, completion reasons, because of the bands that they're by. Uh, and I, I probably bought a couple... Uh, back in 2018, but I haven't listened to either of them. But, but, but I, I used to remember when I used to get paid, I used to run down to our price, remember our price, yep. and buy so many CDs, and they were probably all about 14 quid a pop, I suppose. Those yeah, days. they but were. They, they were. So this, when this Liam Gallagher one, which is very good, by the way, uh, 6 99 with free delivery from Amazon, I thought that was brilliant. But I, I, I remember... Every you know, when I was younger, it must must be mid nineties, bang CD, but spending loads of money in there each time. So yeah, I've got loads of CDs at home. But if I take it, cars don't come with CDs. If I brought myself a new car, which is highly unlikely, and one I've got to keep going forever, I presume you don't get CD players in cars anymore. No, you tend to get things like what like like I've got, which just like you know, it's all super duper. Uh, you know, does does everything for you. Just plug your phone in and away you go. So. Uh, so maybe I'm, I'm behind, behind the times, but nothing like a CD that goes in the car. So, yeah, maybe, well, eventually when I get a new car, I'll get rid of them. But 50p, you can't grumble with some of the quality music I'll be listening to. Well, good on you, mate. And I will keep an eye on the charity shops. Uh, it gives me a purpose to go in there when the uh, 
the other resident of this house uh, strolls in there. Um, I was also going to tell you a story. Um, obviously, said last week I, I, I'd agreed to do some ironing. Well, I got away with that. I didn't do it, and uh, and there was no uh, repercussions. However, um, I did return to the doghouse uh, yesterday after uh, we had a scratch card on Sunday each. Or we had, in, fact, in fact, we had a couple. Mm-hmm. And, uh, How much are they these days? They're not a pound, are they? Well, you can get one pound, one, two pound, three pound, four, uh, five pound, or ten pound ones. Uh, and we tend to. Well, ten pound? What must you win for that? Uh, up to four million quid, I think. Um, right. Is the top five. Did somebody win that? There's a ticket out there. Apparently so, yeah. 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 Um, but, yeah, so we like the three pound ones because there's some quite different variations. Uh, and we had this one, it's like battleships. So you rub off your coordinates at the top to tell you what squares you've got to scratch off. And if you find the whole thing, you win it. So I scratched mine off, and I and I was like, oh, I've got the big shark, lovely, you're nice. So I'll scratch the scratch off and see how much I've won. I'd won forty quid. Whoa! I was chuffed. So I so Haley took it into town yesterday. Well, Haley took it into town yesterday, and it turned out that what looked like F five to me was actually E five, and uh, it rather than winning forty pounds, I'd actually won the sum total of bugger all. And oh, no, I got I got a phone call. I got a phone call uh, when I was on the way to work yesterday, saying you're such an embarrassment. And I was like, well, yeah, I know, but why this time? And it was like that's not a win. I was like, oh, so uh, I do am. Do win match on them? We do all right. We comes in fits and starts. A lot of the time, we just buy them and then just keep having a run on them. Um, so just do you, kind of... do you scratch it off really gently, or do you go really mad on it? I'm quite, I'm quite gentle. I like to make the most out of it, you know, because they're they're not cheap. So you know, I'm all about getting enough bang for your buck, so to speak. But I always remember when I queue up, you go to the co-op, and there's somebody in front of you goes, "Yeah, I love uh, six, eight, four, twelve, fourteen, and it's like fifty quid on scratch cards. Think, Bloody hell! I just get that loot. Well, scratch cards, people be looting for that, wouldn't they? Bang, bang, scratch cards. will be the first one looted. Well, exactly. Yeah, we're all over that. Um, <laughs> again, we're not condoning looting. Uh, yeah, slightly different show this week anyway, because uh, we are recording uh, this part on Tuesday lunchtime. Uh, it's our usual one o'clock slot on Tuesday, uh, even though that's actually turned out to be quite a bad idea, as um, a lot of games are called off on Saturday. And at the moment, it looks like there's going to be quite a few games uh, played on Tuesday night. So uh, we will or I will add something in uh, and possibly another interview as well uh, to to the podcast before it comes out. But uh, for now, you're just going to hear me and Matt talking about mainly the weekend action, but we will add stuff in uh, when we see fit about Tuesday night. Uh, The reason we are doing the show uh, today is because I'm actually going away for the night uh, tomorrow because on Thursday, uh, we are marking the fact that Hayley has somehow put up with me for 10 whole years. Uh, So we will be... uh, uh, and, and I think that my chances of seeing an 11th year uh, would not be very good if I said, oh, sorry, love, can I do the podcast before we go? So uh, yeah, that is so Well done. Congratulations. Thank you very much. What is the, wait, I know you're not married, but how long, what is 10 years? I, do you know what? I, I don't know. Uh, 10 year anniversary. Let's have a look. Uh, not paper. Uh, no, pa- paper's one in it. I want to say tin or something like that, is it? Tin. It's tin. How did how did I know that? Well, impressive. How? So maybe you need, you need to buy a tin out for all the bollocks. You get, get <laughs> sorry, you might need to beat that out. No, I believe that. In, that's fine. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, tin or aluminium. Um, apparently, uh, also diamond jewellery. Let's forget we ever saw that one, shall we? Uh, <laughs> how many years have you been married, mate? It'll be thirteen. 
13. Well, according to uh, according to the traditional US uh, thing, there's not actually a, a specific present for 13, but uh, you need to be buying lace for, uh, for your anniversary this year. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be losing uh, Ann Summers then. That's one of the places I'll be going. Longer, basically, it sounds like I'll be losing a lot of stuff, isn't it? Well, exactly. I'm, I'm into losing. Can you see how the movies, like people are in there with their trolleys and like that? From that, you just with this going on, will there be people smashing through Tesco's? I, I genuinely think, and please don't take this the wrong way, right? You're too nice to be any good at looting. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, I'll take the sort of vinegar. Yeah, so, yeah I don't, I, I, I'm not going to be the one involved in looting. I just want to sort of right. See it on the screen. You know, okay. sort of, do I want to see the country going to meltdown? Um, I don't really know. I don't really know, but I'm just yeah, obsessed with the word looting today. Okay, fair enough. Uh, it's 113th. No, I won't be doing looting, so no, no, no. Okay, it's 113th episode uh, this week, and uh, there is well, there's not um, too much about the number 113. It's not exactly a, a, a marvelous achievement. Uh, usual stuff about maths and science and stuff but there is a band uh called 113 much like last week these are a french hip-hop group uh, with african and caribbean roots originating in north and west africa and the island of guadeloupe who were formed in the parisian suburb of vitry sur seine uh, their most famous song is tonton du bled uncle from the land now i'm not being funny i'm not even gonna listen to this because this is not my bag french hip-hop i'll pass thanks Paul Polko's probably all over that. that 113, my nan used to live at 113, and it was like, well, like a French link, Mason Dew Road in Dover. Got rest of the my nan, but I spent many a time at my nan's at 113. When you mentioned that, came into your head, so um, 113. I still occasionally drive past it and think, those are the guys, you know, when it's been sold on somebody else now. But it's it's, it's funny, like, like, house numbers are funny. Like, I mean, I live at 61, I've lived at uh, 28 and 41, and like twos and stuff but when you get a big number and i i have lived in a big numbered house you know you, you, it does feel a bit a bit different doesn't it yeah yeah always, always, what did you see me like 113 mason g road in dover so yeah. well, when we yeah, get to the number of the house that i've lived in we'll discuss it but we're a long way away from that uh, anyway we're nearly 15 minutes into this week's show and we haven't actually talked about football because all matt wanted to do was talk about looting uh, we're going to start this week in the national league south uh, where on Saturday Matt went to a National League South game. I know to everybody's surprise, uh, he went to a game that wasn't Dover Athletic. Uh, he was at Dartford, where they uh, were at home to the league leaders Wealdstone. Uh, and after that game, he caught up with defender Josh Hill. Well, gave you man of the match on the commentary today. How do you think the game went for you? Yeah, it went well. It went well. I think we um, probably had fair draw in the end, to be fair. I think they definitely had the better of the first half. I think we gave them a bit too much respect in the first 20, 25 minutes. And then once we got a grip of it, I think we come into the game and then second half we probably deserved a point, um, if not three. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm glad with the point. It's always good. They're nine, ten points clear and it shows how far we've come, I think, since the start of the season where we lost against them 4-1 and since then they've been on fire and obviously we've, we've been on the rise and hope, hopefully that continues. How difficult is the conditions for a centre-half in there because the ball is swirling around. One of your clearances actually went behind you and they hit the crossbar from there. How difficult was it out there? It's, it's hard, it's hard. It's something that probably harder to see for the fans than it actually is because uh, when you're out there it's, uh, it can make you look like an idiot I think without without actually doing much wrong so um, it, it's wind's probably the hardest element to actually play in you don't mind rain you don't mind snow anything you just cold is fine but re uh, wind really gets you and 
like I said, it makes it worse for the fans as well, I think, because obviously the quality of the game is likely then to be more mistakes and, you know, um, a lesser quality game to watch. So it's annoying, really, when, when it takes away from the game, but obviously we have to deal with it. Very cagey affair, I thought, from both sides, even themselves a bit. Talk about the penalty as well. I think it was a sandwich between you and uh, Tom Bonner. Again, <laughs> what do your view of it? It was it was behind me actually. I didn't actually see what contact he had, but I think Bond said after that he, he kind of just had a bit of contact with him, but n- nothing. It's the football these days, isn't it? I suppose it's a different up to interpretation. But so there's no near enough contact for him to go down, and he's kind of slipped, and the ref's seen that as a push rather than a slip. And um, the manager shouted justice. The old manager did when he would. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's right. I think I I don't know. I'd, uh, the lad's gone for right in the top corner. It's quite quite um, brave to do that, and obviously it's not paid off. So I think I the think wind th- maybe took into that consideration might have done, it might have done a lot actually yeah to be fair so um, but talking about penalties I think we should have had definitely one at least I think there's a handball uh, with about 10 minutes to go and I think just after their pen the guys Bills brought the ball down and took, got, took a pass him in the box and his contact and I don't know why but he looked as if he was almost wanting to give a, a free kick against us and uh, against yeah against us and for the dive and give me a yellow card and it, to me obviously I'm further away than the ref is but it looks like a Sunwall pen and it's annoying that we haven't got that bit of luck to get that and, and win the game You've got up to sixth place in the league, though, in 10 or so games to go. Do you feel you're in a good position? Yeah, very good position. Very good position. I think we're hitting form. Like We've been really good now the last like 10 or 12 games. I think we know exactly what the manager wants. and I think now we're, um, we're looking forward to, again, today's a good building block because it's a draw against the team that's 9, 10 points clear at the top of the league. Um, and we've got St Albans away next week, so hopefully we'll pick up three points and then keep keep marching on to the playoffs and hopefully you obviously see what happens then. You've worked with Steve King before. What's he like as a manager? And, you know, it's the Steve King effect here. He's got a great points ratio since he's come to the club. Yeah, he's done he's done great since he's come in. He, 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 what he's really good at is bringing in really good players for this for this level. So there's players that, you you know, you'll see out on the pitch, maybe not so much today, but some weeks where you think, why, why are they playing in this league sort of thing? And, and that's... His contacts and his kind of man management allow for that, really, and, and that's why we've got good players at the club. Um, that hopefully, we, yeah, you see how much has changed since he's come in. I think there's only three or four of us probably playing every week from the original original team at the start of the season. So, see how many how much quality he's brought in. We've got a big squad now. It's really healthy with the depth and, and we've got in the competition. So, um, yeah, long long may it continue. And if you stay in the playoffs, are you a side to be feared by everybody else? Yeah, I think we will be. I've I've been in the playoffs four four times in this league, and it's always it's always the team that is in form going into it wins it, and that's true. I think across most of the leagues, most of the time. So um, it is a bit of a lottery, but if you go into a good form, then you give yourself the best chance. You were very quick to tell him that you thought he played the best, weren't you? Yeah, I, I thought he had an excellent game at centre half. I thought defences were on top. The conditions were absolutely mental. So it's got four seasons in one day blustery conditions and rain pouring down and um, arguably if the closest Wilstone have got even closer than the absolute appalling penalty they missed is when um, Josh Hill sort of cleared a clearance from about the six yard box the wind absolutely took it and it went back and the bloke headed it against the crossbar from about eight yards out but he was pretty solid he was good at bringing the ball out against some decent Wilstone attackers so he had a very good game and I was quite impressed with him and speaking to the Dartford fans I was there before and they said that yeah Ronnie Vint hasn't had a look in since he's come in and an experienced player and afterwards we, I looked at his career and he's been around the houses he's got promoted with Braintree he's been in the playoffs with Welling so he, he's a born wood he was involved in the playoffs so he's one of these players who's a Conference South player at the higher end of the division and I think he was an excellent signing for Dartford and I was quite impressed with Dartford to be honest I thought they were, they were solid defensively maybe they're the keeper may be a little bit of a concern. Mark Smith came in and I would have thought that Steve King's constantly looking to bring players in. Um, 
will be uh, uh, looking to maybe strengthen that position. But they were pretty solid. Do conditions play a part? Yes, they did. But I thought a draw was a fair result. Wildstone, again, both sides on top. Decent sides. Who I think Wilson have probably gone and win it unless they have a major meltdown. And I'm pretty confident Darford will be in the playoffs. Yeah, I was actually going to go on to that. I know, I know this is a the Kent Nonley podcast, but uh, Wildstone have been a long, clear, a long way clear at the top for a long time. Did, did they look all that, and, and would they be able to cope with a step up? Um, defensively, they look pretty solid. Two good centre halves again. Defences, as I said, were on top in this game. Lafayette still a good player. I always think it may be a bit of a struggle um, scoring goals for them going up the next level. Uh, but they're uh, good sport there, 150 so, so, so. Big club, of course, back in the 80s, they were the team in non-league, so good to see them coming back. Uh, again, if they're going to, you know, in this division, if you're going to be part-time, it's always going to be a bit of a struggle, but they're having a good season there. They've clearly got a decent manager, Dean Brennan, who was a part of Billericay for a while and did well at Hamill Hampstead, so um, I would say they'll be competitive and I'm sure they'll get decent crowds when they come back into it, so... Uh, but not too much between the two sides, which is a testimony to uh, Steve King, what he's done. Yeah, Wildstone are supposed to be playing Tunbridge Angels uh, on Tuesday evening. I'm just looking as we speak. There was a pitch inspection uh, at one o'clock, uh, but there has been uh, no word as yet on how that inspection uh, has played out. But Tunbridge Angels, uh, you probably have heard about the statement they put out on on Friday evening. Uh, very, very worrying times at Longmead. Uh, they're saying that they are struggling financially because of all the postponements they're having. Uh, they're probably going to have to look to play some games because they've got a big backlog of home games, play some games away from where they currently are. I spoke to Steve McKim for the radio show yesterday uh, and he said similar thing. You know, it, it's not perhaps as desperate as it might have been, uh, but it is a little bit of a concern. But on the pitch, Saturday, away to Dulwich Hamlet, another away win. And whatever you think of Tunbridge Angels, that is a fantastic result. With all that adversity, to go there and pick up a result against Dulwich Hamlet, you've got to take your hat off to them. I think probably they're the form side we've got going in, Kent. In, 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 since the new year, the way form has been good. I haven't played many home games. And I can just tell you, breaking news, they won't be playing at home tonight either. Uh, the game has been called off uh, with, uh, with, with uh, Wildstone. Well, again, in the, in the problems they've got, I think they're doing very, very well. Um, I presume it's going to be an issue now. How are they going to play these games? You've heard places they could be going to, John, haven't you? I have had a, a couple, yeah. Apparently a few clubs have said, you know, you can use our pitch. Um, I did hear that one uh, club said they could use the pitch. The manager wasn't quite so keen. Um, but I did hear uh, there's a few places all sort of dotted around, not just in Kent either, um, but there, there are places that... that potentially are being lined up by Tunbridge Angels and you know they need to get these games and I feel so sorry for them because they are getting abuse like I, I look on the um uh, Wildstone have just tweeted out that the game's been called off and people are replying saying how is this pitch allowed in the league and they're not just because their game's been called they haven't realized that the, these problems have been going on and and why they've happened so you know it, it is a real shame but Tunbridge Angels like they sound quite confident that they're going to get things sorted out so fingers crossed but by this time next week they'll be in a situation where they've lined up a few places to play and managed to get these games done and it, and it could well be a traveling circus from what i understand because uh there are rules surrounding uh one part of it where they're allowed to move games or they will be when they need the national league to come down and say that um the pitch has been condemned and they can't play on it, then they'll be able to arrange to play elsewhere. 
but the one rule is is you can't reverse a game. Uh, so, for example, they've got to play Maidstone. Uh, that the Gallagher Stadium is potentially one of the places that they may end up playing. Uh, however, they would not be able to play Maidstone at the Gallagher Stadium. And likewise, uh, they've got to play Eastbourne Borough, who have a 3G pitch uh, in a lovely town, which I really would recommend if you're ever looking for a, a nice night night away. I know a lovely B&B, &B, uh, get in touch to find out where that is. Uh, but also, they, they're due to play Eastbourne Borough on Saturday. So the same thing sort of applies from that. So um, hopefully, uh, they will be able to, to, to find a way to get these games sorted out. But the first thing is, most importantly, that the club can survive the rest of the season. Okay, I presume they'd have to. It, it, it's like when we go and play football, they're going to have to say to these other clubs, "Can we come and play on your pitch?" They'll say, "Yes, here's it's X, Y, Z," and they're going to have to pay it, aren't they? So, is it going to affect? It's probably going to, not going to sort out their financial issues if they need seven and a half thousand pounds, is it? So, hopefully, the the football uh, community can rally around for that, but of course. The level they're at now in Conference South means they've got to go to a ground that is Conference South quality. So you're looking really where you're going to be going. Bromley, you probably can't do it because they've really got Cray there, even though they've got 3G. You've got Maidstone, you've got um, Dartford, and, is that, and probably Ebsley. But Ebsley's pitch, and we'll get to on later, is not the greatest as well. So there's probably only a few options really for them, isn't it? Exactly. And, and that's what they're going to have to. I'm sure they're working very hard behind the scenes. And it's difficult because one of the things I did say to Steve McKim was, you know, this, I was speaking to him yesterday afternoon, Monday afternoon. How do you go about preparing? Do, do you think that um, you've got to just kind of look at it as if you've got a game at home to Wheelstone on tomorrow night? It's like, absolutely 100 percent. So it is a hard time, but you've got to say they're doing really well at the moment. I presume they. I don't know where they train. I presume they just go to end of training. But I suppose they have three games in a week here, so I presume Saturday's going to be in trouble. Is they supposed to play Maidstone next week as well? That's coming uh, up, isn't it? Yeah, that's in. The, yeah, that's in the diary as well. They're supposed to have three home games this week, but uh, it seems unlikely that they're going to get away with that. Yeah, well, I just hope they can sort it out, and hopefully we get some dry weather because, as I say, Steve McKean probably, if, the, if they manage to stay up, which I think they probably will do, I, he, he could be on for Kent Manic. The Kent Non-League Podcast Manager of the Year because he's done an unbelievable job there. Yeah, the prize they all want. Uh, <laughs> the Kent Non-League Podcast Manager of the Year. Elsewhere in that division on Saturday, uh, it was match postponed welling against Haven and Waterlooville. And Maidstone United, we spoke about them the last couple of weeks, uh, lost 5-1, conceded three penalties, two of which were saved. So uh, an absolute nightmare of a week for them. And, and Maidstone United are... are up against it at the moment and, and I think their playoff hopes are, are hanging by the thinnest of threads I would say that four defeats on the spin Welling on Saturday if it's not gone already if they don't get three points against Welling it's gone now um, and I think we've been pretty critical well I've been pretty critical and thinking didn't see comparing them to Dartford and Maidstone what I saw saw Maidstone a couple of weeks ago saw Dartford there I would say Dartford were, were in a much better position than, than Maidstone are at the moment. And there will probably will be, if Maidstone finish 10th, being full-time in this division or not in the playoffs and full-time in the position, you, you've got to think about decisions where they're going to go from here. Do they stay full-time? Do they look to change the manager? Um, it's just been a, a disappointing season for Maidstone um, since day one, really. Uh, maybe the, the cup run papered over the cracks a little bit. They got a decent cup run, didn't they? Um, playing Blackpool and being 1-0 up at half-time. But, yeah, really disappointing season for the Stones. Four defeats on the spin against sides. I know Wayne was a decent side, but, you know, 
you'd expect better from a John Steele men side men to to, to write, write you know to be more solid than that, and that's really disappointing. And maybe shows with Chesmane and Elakobi being out suspended that maybe the squad hasn't got much depth either. This weekend then in National League South, um, there's a full programme of fixtures. Obviously, Tommy James against Eastbourne Borough uh, will probably be in doubt. Uh, big derby game in at the Gallagher Stadium, Manchester United versus Welling United, while Dartford are on the road to St Albans on Tuesday night. Scheduled uh, is Tunbridge Angels against Maidstone United. Uh, into the National League, uh, where on Saturday it was disappointment all round, really. Bromley losing 1-0 at home to Sutton. Dover losing 3-0 home to, uh, away to Solihull. And uh, FC United beating 1-0 at home by Stockport County. And it seems every week, Matt, in various uh, places where we talk, it almost looks like it's almost the last chance saloon for Ebbsfleet United. Yes. Um, a point would have been a good result, but they've got to win matches. That win against Maiden gave them a bit of a lift. But now losing at home to Stockport, you maybe think, well, it's going to be a struggle to get the, get out of it. Um, have they got this weekend? Is it Hartlepool, isn't it, away? Hartlepool away. away on Saturday, yeah. Tough game to go. Um, Hartlepool seem to turn the form round. Um, they've got to go up there with confidence. You've got to go up there. Nine games to go, they've got to probably win at least six or seven of them to stay up, I would have thought. Depends on the other results. But, yeah, uh, every time they, they get a win, we think they can lose it. But, you think they've got a chance and you, your percentage goes up 10%, but every time they lose, I'm thinking the chances of stand up go down by 20%. So it shows the hole they're in. Hopefully, Kevin Watson, he blamed the pitch I read at the weekend, which same for both sides. Um, and my argument being, you know, can you win football matches in the National League by playing football? Barrow, even though against Dover, they mixed it up a little bit. Um, they may be showing, showing you actually can, but I think you need to be a little bit stronger uh, and a bit more physical to win the league. And maybe on the pitches at the, at the moment, that's the way to do it rather than playing it out. But yeah, uh, the, 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 the fat lady's warming up her voice, I think is the, uh, the terminology to say for MC. But strange things have happened, but they've got to win football matches. Yeah, on the pitch thing, uh, interesting comments from Kevin Watson who says, you know, we can't play our game. And, you know, I've always been a big advocate of Kevin Watson, but he knows what that pitch is like. Yeah, they obviously train on the 3G pitch, but he knows what the pitch is like there. So why say I want to play this way? You've got to adapt to the conditions. If the if the pitch isn't up to standard, you've got to find a way to win because it's all well and good. I'm pretty sure that any Epsilon United fan would say, we don't care how we're winning at the moment, especially for these next nine games, just win. It doesn't matter how you win, just win. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a time and a place to, to play your football, but with nine games to go and you're stuck in the relegation zone with, you know, the side behind you've got four games in hand and, and a couple of points behind, you, you've got to grind out results, however ugly may it be. So uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Again, if they if they beat Hartlepool, goal coming off the centre forwards back zone in the 95th minute, nobody cares as long as they got and Steve and, Steve, and um, Kevin Watson wouldn't particularly care. What I thought. Another manager who's probably got uh, is, is thinking a lot at the moment is Neil Smith. Uh, more disappointment for Bromley. We spoke to Luke Coulson last week, but uh, he didn't do the trick against Sutton on Saturday, and and now they're they're just in danger of falling into mid table and, and the season petering out after such a great start. Yeah, seven defeats out of eight. The eighth game and the draw in that game, they were two 0 down with ten minutes to go. I think it wasn't come back into it, and you think that may have been it lift when they played Solihull but yeah it's, it's not looking good for them at the moment um, 
I can't question where it's all gone wrong, but they've got to go to Harrogate this weekend, and then they're playing the top of the table and bottom of the table near enough, aren't they? Harrogate away, then surely at home next week. Um, and I was thinking, uh, would Neil Smith be in pre- under pressure here? Um, I think maybe a little bit. Um, the investment they've got in there, we know they overachieved at the start of the season, but you know, any manager would say to you, if, you, if you're the best manager in the world, if you do seven out of eight, you're going to be under a little bit of pressure. I don't think Bromley should even think about it, but the way it's going for Bromley, finishing mid-table from where they were on the 1st of January, is really, really poor. Bromley are away to Harrogate on Saturday, a televised game, uh, and some people saying that what you should do if you're not going to that game is uh, go along to Hayes Lane for three o'clock for Craig Wanderers against Brighton Sea Regent. Stick around and watch Bromley in the bar. That sounds like a good Saturday to me. Yep, absolutely, yeah. Definitely the game will be on at Craig because of the 3G pitch. I'm sure a few Bromley fans are going to do it. A big, big, big day for Bromley there. If they can get something from that, that could just boost the confidence because Harrogate are a decent side as well. And I was at the reverse fixture, wouldn't I, when Harrogate were 3-0 up and Bromley came back to 3-0 and Bromley should have won it. So we've got to show that bit of that fighting spirit from uh, Neil Smith's side on at the weekend. Yeah, uh, the other game on Saturday was a, a disappointing loss for Dover Athletic. Uh, at Solihull, dropped out of the playoff places and Lee Wargan was back in goal and, and understand you might have lost your low knee for the rest of the season. Yeah, Ashley Maynard Brewer um, did his ankle in training, which is a bit of a blow because I thought he was quite a young, agile goalkeeper who looked good when the games I've seen him, but Lee Wargan will come in now. I wouldn't have thought Andy Hessenthaler will try and get another goalkeeper in because Wargan seems to be fit and Merson may come back into play as well. But yeah, disappointing from that and you know, the two new signings who came on who did well against Fylde and Polian was injured as well. And looks like Michael Woods have, may have a little bit of an injury as well. So it's not, yeah, it wasn't a great day for Dover. Um, got to bounce back this weekend. Massive game against Yeovil. Yeovil third place. I think they're four points ahead of Dover at the moment. Dover win that, only a point behind. You're back in it. You lose that, then you start looking at the sides around you because they're winning as well. So arguably Dover's biggest game of the season against the Oval side who thinks they can bounce back into the league so um, should be a good game on Crabble on Saturday Absolutely into the Eastman League Premier Division uh, this won't take long uh, Margate's trip to Leatherhead match postponed and uh, Folkestone's trip to Chessant match postponed uh, however Cray Wanderers did play on Sunday and they were 3-1 winners over Merston at Hayes Lane and Joe Taylor our man friend of the show Finally got his 30th goal of the season. So huge congratulations to Joe. And let's hope that he, he can go on and get 35 now. He's got to set a new target, hasn't he? Well, how many games have they got to go? 10 or so games to go, yep. They would have thought they've got a very good... You've got an opportunity to do that. Scoring goals. Crayer on... They're seven points off the top, aren't they? But I don't know if they've got any games in hand. But they seem to be the form side in it. And they've got a massive game after Brighton. You see Regent next week. They're going up playing Folkestone. So... Whether from well, I think that's at, I don't know if it's at Cray or Folkestone. That one's it's at Folkestone. Folkestone. So weather permitting, that'll be on. But that is a, a very big game there from that. Whoever wins that, maybe ends the other side's automatic promotion hopes. But should be an absolute cracker down at Cheriton Road next week. Yeah, those two teams are level on points. Whether you're top of the league, played one more game than Cray Wanderers. Seven points is the gap between them. Uh, Folkestone Victor have played one fewer game, so it's Folkestone thirty-one games, Cray Wanderers thirty-two, Worthing thirty-three, and Folkestone Cray have both got sixty-one points. Uh, and Worthing have got 68, and Hornchurch are also second on 61 points. So uh, uh, an absolute snort of a division that could uh, could still have a, a, a thrilling finale to come. 
Uh, this weekend, as we said, Cray are at home to Brighton City Regent, uh, Folks and Victor are at home to Enfield, and Margate are at home to Bowers and Pitsy. All three of our National League, uh, of our Eastman League Premier Division teams at home, uh, which doesn't happen often. And then, as Matt said, on Tuesday night, it's a big game at Cheriton Road, or the Fullicks, or whoever sponsors it these days. Folks and Victor against Cray Wanderers, and Margate are at home to Wingate and Finchley uh, on the 3G down at Hartsdown Park. Uh, Ismail League South East was pretty much like everything else, a virtual washout on Saturday. Uh, there were a couple of games uh, knocking about on Leap Day. Uh, on uh, A really good result for Ramsgate. They beat Faversham by three goals to nil. Uh, Seven Oaks Town beat VCD Athletic 2-1. Two late goals uh, from dual registration Dartford players. Ryan Hayes on 86 minutes and Andy Pugh on 90 and if you've got those two you're always going to be uh, a threat and 10-man Ashford United were beaten 3-2 uh, at home by Chichester City uh, there are games on Tuesday night so hand over to me now and I'll tell you what happened in the Isthmian League South East on Tuesday night yeah thanks John just two games survived in the Isthmian League South East on Tuesday night after the game between East Grinstead and Sevenoaks was called off yet again after an inspection in the afternoon uh, but Ashford United did get a revenge victory over Chichester, 3-2, uh, another thriller, the second game in a row, it's finishing 3-2 away win between those two teams after Saturday did as well. A um, couple of goals for George Purcell as well in that one, so uh, that's good news uh, for Tommy Warlow that uh, he is on the score sheet. And uh, Ashford will hope they can build on that. They stay top of the table, but only on goal difference from Hastings after Hastings also won three goals to one uh, at Burgess Hill. And the other game involving the Kent team was a, a fairly unremarkable loss for, for out of form Sittingbourne, beating 2-1 at Hayward Heath Town in front of 87 spectators. Back to you, John. Great work, John. Amazing results in there, wasn't it? Oh, unbelievable. That, sec that second one. Yeah, tell me about it. The, you, we, we, that, we, that should be national headlines, I would have thought of that one. Yeah, what scenes, what scenes. Uh, limbs, this, limbs, you've got to say limbs, mate. Limbs. Limbs. Limbs, limbs that one, yeah. This weekend, 7-8 go to Chichester, it's Cray Valley against Ramsgate, Faversham are at home to East Grinstead Town, Whitstable will go to face Hastings United, it's Hayward Heath against Phoenix Sports, Herm Bay against Sittingbourne, VCD against Ashford, and Whiteleaf against Hyde Town. Uh, I'm now going to hand over to myself again, Matt, believe it or not, for the Southern Counties East League, where uh, Saturday there was not a lot to talk about. It was just two games, but Tuesday night, quite a few. So uh, let's hand over again to me. Yeah, there were four games in the Southern Counties East League on Tuesday night, and uh, we can only really start with one of the results. Uh, an absolutely superb result for Corinthian, who smashed 10 unanswered goals past Irith and Belvedere. Now, the, the Irith and Belvedere have had their problems uh, in the last few weeks, but they are bringing in some new players and they're trying to make things click, uh, but it very much didn't click for them uh, on Tuesday night as they were, well, absolutely hammered uh, by a Corinthian side who went back up to second uh, in the table uh, as a result of that 10-0 win. Uh, we'll just run through the goal scorers very quickly. I know Chris Kinnear Jr. scored uh, two of the goals uh, late on, also two for Emmanuel Oyedi, uh, one for Jack Billings, two for Andres Tobon, uh, Connor Johnson, a penalty for Jack Mahoney, Ryan Sawyer, uh, and two for Chris Kinnear as well, as we already mentioned. Uh, superb result, that one, uh, for Corinthian. And everything Belvedere, work to do uh, for them. Uh, Beckenham Town, the leaders, won 4-0 at home to FC Croydon, uh, keeping their advantage at the top of the table. Uh, two goals for Ryan Hall in that one. Uh, it was also a 3-0 win for Beersted against Punjab United. And believe it or not, 
All four away teams in this division failed to score. Uh, a 5-0 win in the other game for Canterbury City, who very quietly are starting to turn things around uh, under their new managers, uh, getting a few more experienced players in and, and, and looking the part a little bit uh, A City at the moment. They beat Wellington uh, by five goals to nil on uh, Tuesday night. And uh, yeah, so that's a good result for them, uh, Canterbury City. They're, they're still eighth in the table, uh, but they'll be pretty satisfied with that. Beer City, it's their fourth win in five as well. Uh, they are seventh, uh, as we say, Beckenham top of the table, 54 points. Corinthians second, 52. Uh, Chatham Town have 50 and Sheffield United have 48. Uh, there would have been a fifth game uh, on Tuesday night, but the game between Tunbridge Wells and Irith Town uh, was postponed. Uh, due to the Warsaw pitch at the Cauldron. Now, everyone's talking about Tunbridge Angels ourselves. We've been talking about Tunbridge Angels pitch, but Tunbridge Wells haven't played at home since the 7th of January, nearly two months since their last game at home. Uh, they've still got a lot of league games left to play. I think it's 14 games they've got left to play. And here we are in March. Uh, and obviously, they lost 5-1 on Saturday at Chatham Town. I'm not in the habit of phoning managers up after they've lost heavily because, you know, with the Kent Only podcast, we can pick and choose. We tend to pick and choose the ones who we want to speak to, uh, on normally on the back of good results. But with the game postponed on Tuesday night, I thought it was a good chance to catch up with Richard Styles. And I did say to him that I don't like calling managers after they've lost heavily. And was he disappointed with the game against Chatham? We are disappointed, of course we are. And we, we, we felt a little bit outdone by it because the result doesn't really um, give a full account of what happened in the game. Um but, you know, at the same time, we've lost the game and, and we sort of move on and put it past us and, you know, we can't dwell on things and we've just got to move on, really. Yeah, I mean, I read a few reports that said, especially in the first half, you actually played really, really well. Yeah, I mean, first half an hour especially was, um, you know, the game could have easily gone a different way. Um, you know, we had a number of chances, really, where we should have probably capitalised and the game plan was working. You know, it was all, it was all going to plan, really. Obviously, we didn't score, and you know that's that's bit us in the bum a little bit. Where you know they were more clinical than us. Um, they got up the other end with their first real sight of our goal and scored. Um, and then you know we gave them the second one on such quick fire um, after the first. It really went into half time, two 0 down. You know we was always going to be up against it. I suppose the big problem for you is you'd have loved to get back on the horse tonight, uh, but you're really struggling to get games on at home. Yeah, that's it. Exactly that. You know, exactly. We said it Saturday after the game. You know, we we just wanted to get back get back out playing again. As soon as you have a defeat or you lose a game, you know, you're always looking to the next one. The way we work, we always look at, towards the next game anyway. And uh, yeah, tonight would have been an ideal opportunity to do so. Um, I understand you. What is it? A couple of months since you've been able to actually play at home. Is the pitch in that bad a condition? Yeah, it's not in a good condition whatsoever. Um, you know, a lot of things and comments are made online when games are called off and stuff. Um, you know, I can categorically say that every game has been called off because you know the pitch is unplayable. You know, me more than anyone wants to play as many games and get them on and get them done. Um, unfortunately, that hasn't been able to happen. And it is frustrating, of course it is, you know, for all of us at the club, players, staff, you know, and the committee. But, you know, like I say, there's there's no nothing we can do overly to make a quick fix. Um, anything that does need to be done to the pitch is going to take, you know, six weeks to, to do a bit of work or to make some good. So, you know, we have to wait until the end of the season for that to be able to happen. 
Um, and and like I say now, it's just being able to manage it. Now, obviously, there's been a hell of a lot of rain in the in the local area in Kent, and you know a lot of clubs have suffered with that. It's just unfortunate that obviously we've suffered with it more than most in our league. Well, I mean, we're seeing obviously Tunbridge Angels saying they might have to move some games and, and financial implications. And, and it's a problem for clubs at your level, isn't it? Because we were saying, I was actually talking to Tommy Wallow last night, and Premier League clubs can afford to play games with no one in the stadium. But at your level, that's not the case, is it? No, that's right. Um, you know, and especially someone like, like Tunbridge Wells, who's so well supported, you know, and we, we fully value our fans coming down. and. You know, we want them at the games, of course we do. And from a financial sense, obviously, we need them at the games also. Um, yeah, obviously, Tunbridge Angels have had had a bad run of it as well, which is very a, a coincidence that they're only down the road from us. And, yeah, like I say, it, it is a problem. It really, really is a problem, you know, because you can look into a ground share, but then at that time, obviously, that's going to cost money. And then, you know, are you going to get takings from your fans arriving at the games and there's a lot of politics that come with it so you know we're not at that stage yet um and you know of course we're hopeful we're not going to be at that stage and i'm sure it won't come to that um it's just a case of hopefully you know the rain staying away for a little bit to let our pitch heal and um hopefully we can get some games on it as soon as possible it must be so frustrating because you're going to be playing a lot of games between now and the end of april it is very frustrating very much so, even more because of where we are in the league. And, and you know, if our season was over, you know, it wouldn't be so bad. If we were a mid-table or, you know, in the lower regions, it wouldn't really matter because we weren't playing for anything. But, you know, we are still playing for, you know, things in the league. Um, and we are also still in the cup. So our season is very much alive. Um, but, you know, we've got a hell of a lot of games to play. And I've got a bunch of players who are very fit and, you know, are able to, to go through it for me. But when you're asking players to do this two, three times a week for the next, you know, six weeks, then, you know, all of a sudden it becomes a little bit of a problem. Um, it was, you know, that would be tough enough for professionals to do, let alone semi-professionals who've got work commitments, who've got families, etc. So, you know, we've had to look at the squad a little bit. Um, and we've had to see, you know, what we can do and if we can if we can manage people and if we need to bring any in and if we, you know, need to bring some youngsters up, etc. And that's sort of what we're looking at, really. And it's just a case, you know, it's up to me and the, the management staff, really, to, to manage it right and really get the balance of the players. You mentioned you're still fighting in the cup. You could probably do without a two-legged semi-final, couldn't you? Well, when it rains, it pours. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, um, and yeah, like I say, you know, it is what it is. I mean, one game extra is really not going to make an awful lot of difference. But um, yeah, like I say, we, we're, we're glad we're still in the cup. We wanted to remain in the cup. Um, and obviously, we'll be doing our utmost to get through the tie. Generally speaking, I, I was looking at it's been quite a few months since we've had a catch up for the, for the podcast. And you must be really, really pleased with how your first season at Tunbridge Wells was going before the, the rain intervened. Yeah, I mean, it's not, um, it's not over yet. So there's, a, there's a lot of football to play and there's a lot of things left. So, But, you know, like I say, if you'd have offered me, when I took the job in June, if you'd have offered me where we are now, um, in the position we're in, still able to do things and achieve things, um, then, yeah, of course I would have took it. Um, you know, I've loved every minute from the, from the moment I took the job and been around the club. Um, it's been fantastic, you know, my, my staff have been brilliant, you know, and the players have been, been fantastic. You know, I always knew that, 
if I got through pre-season the way I wanted it to and we got a good start in the league, which we did, um, where we could be in and around. And um, yeah, like I say, the boys have, have been fantastic. We've had some real, real good performances. Um, and like they would say, the league table doesn't lie and, and we are where we are because we deserve to be there. Um, whether people are surprised by that or not, then, you know, it's up to them. But, you know, we fully earn, you don't get to where you are by luck. So, you know, we are where we are, but... Like I say, there's, there's 14 league games left or so. Um, there's a hell of a lot of twists and turns to come. You know, a lot of teams are playing against each other. Teams are going to drop points. So, you know, just to be in and around that mix and in and around them conversations was really enjoyable for us because we didn't have that pressure put on us at the start of the season. It wasn't something that, that was overly highlighted and, and demanded that we had to do. Um, you know, it was a different situation when we came to Tunbridge Wells. But... You know, like I say, the foundations are there. We've laid them um, and, and we've gone above that, really. But we've just got to keep going, um, which is vital. And then we've, we need a run of games to keep that going. Obviously, games here, games there, games off doesn't really help. And that's where it makes my job even harder to keep the boys' momentum going and, and working. But like I say, they're a good, honest bunch of lads and they will work hard for each other right until the death. So... You know, that's that's what we've got to do for the rest of this season. And if we do do that, you know, I've got no doubt that, that we will finish well and in a, in a position we can look back on and, and be proud of. But, yeah, like I say, in the in the four walls of the changing room, we know what we're capable of. We know what we can achieve. Um, and we know what we want to achieve. Obviously, I'm not going to go public with that. But, um, like I say, we're well on our way. I suppose that, that just finally it is that potential. We, we've all known Tunbridge Wells has got that potential. In the last few years, they haven't kind of lived up to it. But it finally looks like, the, I suppose, the, the, the sleeping beast is awakening a little bit at the Culverden. Well, yeah, I certainly hope so. And to be, you know, classed with that uh, motto would be, you know, brilliant. That's, that's fantastic. But... As I say, as a, as a whole club, it's such a big club. I mean, the fans have been fantastic this year and, and I think the relationship between the players and the fans is, is very, very close and a really, really good one. And I know the players, you know, feel exactly the same way as I do. So, yeah, you know, it is a sleeping giant, massively. You know, it is a club that could go leagues above and, and you know, have the, have the stadium, have the fan base, etc. in place to do that. We've just got to put it on that, on that path towards that really and work towards that it hasn't really been in that way before I got to the club um, you know and things have been stripped back and you know we've started again this year and I'm happy with how it's gone so far but you know I want to continually move move forward and I want us to keep progressing and wherever we finish this year you know we will look into next year to then progress it and then go from there and and that's the way we always are we will always look forward um, and we'll always work hard and if we do do them things then you know I think we'd be on to a good thing. Richard Styles there, I mean, Tumbridge Angels are getting a lot of uh, press about their situation, but uh, it's even worse for, for Wells in terms of, of their games. And they're also getting away games called off as well. So any hopes they've got of, of catching the teams at the top are pretty much, they're struggling, aren't they? Because they're, they're going to be playing catch-up. Yeah, they're having a great season as well. We mentioned it last season when they were struggling a little bit. Richard's come in and done a really good job as a manager. But we thought, oh, they might have a chance as a legal on it last week. But now getting known the situation about their pitch and stuff like that, they're playing catch up with other sides of playing who've got a, 
a 3G surface as well, which works in their favour at this time of the year. But he's doing a very good job, and I, I didn't expect them to be anywhere near the top of the table. But let's hopefully they can get their picture sorted out. And again, much needed finances going into the club. But um, again, he's had a really good season. It's like that doesn't get derailed by the, the off-field problems at the club. Well, as Matt says there, you know, it is, it is one of those things. Tunbridge Wells are, are doing quite well. Um, Masters of Editing here, as you can probably tell, uh, because Matt's gone back in and come back out again of the show. Uh, here I am on Wednesday morning just recording this bit. But Tunbridge Wells, as I said to Richard there, they've got huge potential as a club. We've known that. I mean, seven years since they reached the FA Vars final, but they took 15,000 supporters up to Wembley that day. Uh, there's obviously huge potential at Tunbridge Wells, and it's needed untapping. And I think I said back at the start of the season, it was maybe time to bring someone in who wasn't part of that Vars squad and, and could kind of push on. And Richard Styles doing an absolutely fantastic job. Um, really, really glad that it's going well for him at Tunbridge Wells. And you know, it may be a stretch too far for them this season. It's, it's still not beyond the realms of possibility. If they win those three games in hand, they're actually above third place Chatham. Um, so they'll be still right in the mix. But uh, it's been a great season for Tunbridge Wells and definitely something for them to build on uh, going into the future. It has to be said that they're doing uh, pretty wells, aren't they, these days? <laughs> <laughs> Cracking joke, John. Oh, thanks, mate. Um, obviously, the big story in the uh, scaffold last week would have been the FA Vars quarterfinal between Corinthian and Leighton Town. Uh, but that game was called off and swiftly rearranged uh, for this Saturday, weather permitting a game uh, to be played at Corinthian. Uh, so we will see how that goes. But what they do know now, Matt, is the winners of that tie... Uh, we'll be playing Hebben Town in the two-legged semi-final, second in the Northern League. That promises to be a tough encounter. Yeah, I think they got home leg first time. Hebben, I had to Google where it was. I think it's Newcastle White. They're thinking that the bookmakers think it will be a, a all-Northern League final again, which has happened numerous times over the last years. But hopefully Corinthian weather permitting, um, I don't know what the weather's going to be like the rest of the week, um, can get through uh, against Leighton on Saturday and do that there and they get the home tie and also maybe the as what uh, uh, the, the manager Michael Golden said as well the, the players get their night out as well so a win-win situation for them fingers crossed they can get to in the semi-final first well imagine that night I mean this is getting well ahead of ourselves but imagine that night in Newcastle if they put their place at Wembley just imagine <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, I know somebody's actually going to Sunderland this weekend for the Gillingham game and uh, I did say to them it would probably be minus five but there'd probably some Scenes with people dressed very loosely is probably the worst mm-hmm. terminology there. So um, I hear it's, it's a good night out in Newcastle, and I think my mate's looking forward to his night out in Sunderland as well. Yeah, uh, I also know somebody's going to that game. Ben Watts uh, is going uh, to that game. Ben Watts. Yeah, uh, he's not having a night out, though, is he? Probably not, no. I think he's no. travelling up on Friday, though. Bless him, because it's no. a long way to go, um, and he's already been up there once this season. But that's uh, you know a tough one. Uh, the the league fixtures uh, this weekend in the scaffold. Uh, on Saturday, it's Bearsley against Fisher, Crowborough against Hollands and Blair, Irith and Belvedere against Canterbury City, Irith Town against Sheppey United, Glebe against K Sports, Lordswood against AFC Croydon, Punjab United against Chatham Town, Tunbridge Wells against Deal Town, Wellingtown against Beckenham Town. Uh, very quickly, the Scaffold First Division again, uh, a lot of games ruled out uh, by the weather uh, over the weekend, uh, but one game did make the headlines, and, and yet again, it was for the wrong reasons. Uh, as the game between Croydon and Kennington uh, was abandoned due to an allegation uh, of racism uh, towards the referee. Uh, a few stories going around the place and, and I've heard various things. I'm not going to make any comment on, on what's happened. But again, people criticising the scaffold for this. It's nothing to do with them. It's the FA who have to take action. 
And funnily enough, just before we came on um, to record this, I just saw a tweet from someone pointing out that the Leeds United goalkeeper was found guilty of racial abuse and got an eight-match ban and uh, and a £60,000 fine, I think it was. Whereas Daniel Sturridge um, was talking to his family about where he might transfer and he's been banned for four months and fined £150,000. So could we say the FA perhaps haven't still got their priorities right when it comes to racism? I think that's probably a very good um, analogy on that. Yes, it doesn't seem to make sense and a crazy situation. And the FA needs to have a hard look at themselves. And you know, and, and people criticising the scaffold. I think um, you know their job is hard enough. It is. It's not nothing they can do. The FA have got to do it. But the FA are really got to put down a marker or something, or make make things a little bit clearer and you know punish the people for this rather than, you know, putting their head in the sand, which at times I think they do, they do. I think you've got to take the, um, the you've got to kind of take the uh, the, the line that, you, I think you kind of hit on it there. They've got to make an example of someone about yeah, exactly. this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if, if what I've heard about Saturday, if that is true, then throw the book at this person, you know, this individual. There's no place for it in football. And we've had, what, three games in the scaffold called off this season because of it, abandoned because of racism. It's got to stop because it's a football game and no one should be having anything to deal with about the colour of their skin, their sexuality, anything like that. It's a game of football. So it's time that people stopped, stopped and thought before they spoke. And if you have those thoughts, keep them to yourselves. You're wrong, but keep your thoughts to yourselves. Yeah, fair play, mate. We'll leave it at that. I think that's uh, correctly put. Thank you. We'll add to, add to up and sooner or later. Um, this weekend in the uh, Scaffold Division 1, uh, it's Greenways against Holmesdale, Kennington against Rustall, Kent Football United, or as it says on the website, Kent Football Untied, that's a, a different sort of sport, uh, are at home to Bride and Ropes. Uh, Lewis and Borough meet Stansfeld. It's Lidtown against Rochester United, Meridian VP against Croydon, and Sutton Athletic are at home to Snodland Town. Uh, that is it for this week's Kent Non League podcast, a, an eventful uh, show with lots of inserts, including... Um, well, we'll see. Uh, but lots of inserts along the way. I even uh, left Matt in the middle of it to go and take a booking for the B&B because, you know, coronavirus, I've got to take every opportunity uh, that comes my way. But hopefully you've enjoyed listening to the show. Uh, if you want to interact with us, we're on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast. We're on Facebook at Kent Non-League. Uh, on Twitter, I am at John Phipps 81 Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard. Uh, we will be back with you next week for the next episode of the Kent Non-League Podcast. And hopefully we'll have a bit more football to talk about and maybe the weather would have just cleared off and been nice for a weekend but in the meantime have a good week i hope you enjoy whatever game you're going to happy anniversary to Haley, and we will speak to you all next week and if you do need some toilet roll give us a contact i can give it to you at a reasonable rate <laughs>